0: well praise the Lord I was just thinking while I was worshipping while we were worshipping I mentioned that ministry over at First Baptist Church I have the phone number here and uh, faith Uh, I'm going to leave this information up here on the the altar (laughs) and Maybe you could collect it afterwards and put it in next week's bulletin so that we can get that information. It should be pretty clear in here. And uh, it's interesting that uh, the reason why it's last minute is uh, I was in the office yesterday and a phone rang and, and um, we keep the door locked usually during the day because my office is in the back corner and just for safety and especially if Faith is here as a secretary. And so the, here's this math, you know, Hey, come to your come to your door. I need to talk to you. You know, so but well, who's this? So I I I honestly look from the far end. You know, like does he is there anything under his coat? Does he have a coat on? Because <laughs> um, we really do have to be careful these days. But anyway, the ministry, of course, that he wanted to share with me was that the ministry that their deacon. He's the head deacon there at First Baptist and having this ministry to of fixing people's cars for winter, those that really need it. It's interesting that as we come to Acts chapter 6, we're going to look at the qualities, the attributes of, of service. And the, the deacon ministry is considered a service in the, in, in the church. But don't, don't misunderstand this. Um, every aspect of ministry is service. Preaching the gospel is service. Worshiping is service. What Todd does back there in the audiovisual service, secretarial work service, greeting service, it's all, we're all called to be his servants. And so as we come to look at this, and also interesting that it's Labor Day weekend, which celebrates uh, the, the laborers. The, 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 in the past, it was originally brought about to the, celebrate the, the union workers and the blue-collar workers, and for myself, personally, you know, when I grew up in Great Britain, I bu- grew up blue-collar, what they call blue-collar, you know, craftsmen, hands-on. Uh, I wasn't ditch-digging, but I was working, building aircraft, and first, my jo- first job was in a steel mill and uh, seeing the operation of a, an open-hearth uh, st- steel mill. And that was an eye-opening thing and an experience of steel mill still running today. And uh, so, uh, not in the same capacity, but anyway, it's Labor Day weekend. And on the 20th of September for us, which is a few weeks out, we're going to have a ladies' meeting after church. And that ladies' meeting is going to be talking about the women's ministry in the church. And one of the components of women's ministry in the church is the deacon ministry. Now whatever ministry in the church goes on through our ladies, through our men, it is a ministry of service. And so when we come to Acts chapter 6, we're going to see the church that has just been exploding in growth. New believers coming to Christ. The Christian message has been preached. And then of course what we saw in chapter 5 was how are we going to make sure everybody's cared for? Everybody's fed. And you know we had people selling property and selling various uh, things they owned so that they could come and share that with the, with the people. And then of course there was the distribution. The, the money, the resources, the food have to be distrib- distributed. And it became complicated. And so here in Acts chapter 6, you see what began as the, the deacon ministry. Although the word deacon is not in the, the passage itself, the root, the root of uh, the deacon ministry is. And that word in the ESV Bible is uh, serving or serve. And so from which we get service called to serve. So let me just read this passage of Scripture um, and then let's just say, Lord, speak to us. Now, oh, I do, I do want to say this. We could look at this passage and, and, and take the points that are in here, the three main points, and there's a fourth point. And we could put them all in one message and say, there you go, praise God, we're done. But I feel like this is such a critical aspect of ministry in the church. We need to take three separate messages each Sunday on each attribute of this, of service, what the attribute that we need to have, we should have. And then the fourth one, how that is then uh, blessed and and, uh, the people that are going to be serving are um, sort of set in motion, if you will, a fourth one. So this today and titling this, The Attribute of Service. And our first point is going to be that we must have a good reputation. You've got to have a good reputation. Now, that really does apply more so for all of us as Christians, too, right? You've got to have a good reputation. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come to look at the word, open the word, help us to see the context of this passage and then apply it to our today's context. And Father, challenge us. And also in light of the fact that we're going to come to the communion table and we're looking at the aspect of a good reputation, Father, there might be some conviction that we might not have the best reputation. But Lord, as Ron opened up our service today in our invitation You are a God of grace who calls us to a throne of grace. And you're the one that wants us to draw near so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us. And we may find that today is a time of need when we consider what our reputation might be as a living, as a Christian. So, Lord, um, add your blessing to this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to read. I've, I, my, by the way, my glasses, my trifocals broke, so I've got them old glasses on. I'll take my glasses off to, <laughs> to read. i am putting them back on so I can see you, and then off so I can read. Uh, now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, depending on your translation, it might say Grecian. But Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their, widow, their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, your translation may say a good reputation, full of the Spirit. You're probably getting this next week's point, next week's attribute. And the third one, and full of wisdom. And those are the ones whom we will appoint to this duty and the word of god continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith and there's the word of god there's this, there's the passage that we're looking at so keeping in mind that we're looking at uh, this is written to christians now if you go back to chapter 2 and i'm not going to just i'll just reference this they were, remember when, when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they went out and they began to minister and they started to meet in people's homes. They began to pray together, share the word together, break bread together, and have fellowship together. Those are the four components. And it said that there were many added to their number daily of those who were being saved. So in the ministry, in the gatherings that they had, they always had... Least according to that reading, those that didn't yet receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the message of the gospel was being preached all the time. And then in that context, people were coming to Christ in their hundreds, some in their thousands. They They were being added daily. It just kept on going. And so it's important to know that when it comes to the service that we're looking at today, the attribute of a good reputation, this is a challenge to those of us that have received Jesus. Now, even if you haven't received Jesus, I grew up in a home where it was important and, and we were challenged as kids to have a good reputation outside the home. The ver- you know, when I, when I got my interview and a job to work as an apprentice as an aircraft builder, Mr. Brown, the one man that was interviewing, looked at me and said, I'm going to hire you. I didn't have the qualifications for hiring, but he said, I'm going to hire you based on your father's reputation. Don't ruin your father's reputation. Boy, did that ever stick in my my mind and my heart. I'm I'm here 50 years later talking about that because I was 15 years old then in the spring, when I was 15 years of age. I've never forgotten it. And so, yes, in the world was to have a good reputation, but more so as a Christian, and more so when it comes to appointing those like they selected, the seven men, that the first, ye must have a good reputation. In various translations say, they've got to have an attested character, a character that's been tested. Um, they've got to be men of tried honesty. You know, let's not put somebody in a place because they're a live body and they're breathing and, they, and they've got some strength and they can, they, can, they can do the service around the church. It's more than just working around here. It's more than just serving uh, physically as we will see later when we see Stephen preaching the gospel and martyred, the first martyr of, Christ, of the Christian faith. And he was a deacon. And we have to understand as we look at this, we, we look at the attributes of service, that it's simply the, the, the word in, in that verse that says they're to serve tables, that applied to also, that word serve applied to the disciples as well, all apostles, they were all men, and the women also, were to be people that served. I said earlier that, yeah, on the 20th we're going to have a meeting with the ladies. And you say, well, in here it seems to be very male orientated. Um, <clears throat> I, I want you to note in, in verse in verse three here where it says, Therefore brothers pick out from among you seven men. It could be translated, brothers and sisters, there. So the brothers and sisters were involved in the Who are these men we're going to select? What is their reputation? Do they have a good reputation? Men and women, both looking at it, determining it. And when it comes to ministry in the church, it's not just the men. It is the women involved too. Let me give you a verse of scripture. I might be a little bit all over the place today. That's okay. But let me give you this scripture from Romans 16.1. And this is to do with women in ministry. This is Paul writing about a woman named Phoebe. Uh, Maybe you don't say her name like that, P-H-O-E-B-E. She says, I commend Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant. Same word, diakonos in the Greek. She's a servant in the church in Sancria. And verse verse, um, 2 says, she has been a helper of many, and of myself also. So there were women that were serving in the church as under that title, of that deaconess, that deacon title. So as we come to look at it, it's important that when we meet on, on the 20th that we say, okay, all us women, first of all, yet yeah, have we come to Christ? Do we know Christ? And then uh, as we look at each other and discern who's going to be serving as deaconesses, who's going to be serving in the church and the women's ministry, kind of a reputation do, do we have? I want to challenge you ladies. That's why we got communion today. Because You might say, yeah, if you really knew me, I might not get selected. And remember, it's not the elders, it's not the disciples that were doing the selecting, it was the people that were doing the selecting. They presented the ones they selected to the disciples to lay hands on them. Let me go back and look at some of the context here. First of all, what's interesting in here, think about the dynamics of culture, because sometimes you look back at the church, the early church, especially the early church when it first started, boy, they didn't have any problems. Now when they started writing to the the Corinthians and the, when churches started getting planted, there were letters that addressed all the difficulties and problems. Well, here's the here's one of the first problems that come up. Besides uh, the lying of a couple that dropped dead when they lied about what they brought in their offering plate, um, but uh, try to picture this: a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. What is that about? The Hellenists are really, all they, what they are is they're Greek-speaking Jews. And the Hebrews speak Aramaic. And so there's a language barrier and also a, a cultural barrier. And what's interesting in the selection, when, when they said for them to select, they said, select from among yourselves. And all the men selected were Grecian, where they were Greek. Greek Greek-speaking, I mean. Greek-speaking Hebrews. One of them, the last one mentioned, was actually Greek, and a proselyte means he became a Jewish believer. So so all of them were selected. They were all Hellenists, Greek-speaking, and Jews, and Nicholas by by the fact that he became a Jew. He believed in the Jewish and followed the Jewish religion. But they spoke a different language. So language was a barrier. And you would understand that, right? Some of the barrier. We were in in your home last night, and there's your mother, and man, she can speak ten languages. I'm like, I have a hard time, you know, sometimes with American. And uh, but they chose these men because they would understand the culture as well. And what, were they, what was the complaint? The complaint was that our widows are missing out on this distribution of all the stuff that's coming in to be passed out. And so the wisdom was, well then collect sex seven, and then you can be overseeing the distribution. But don't just select anybody. You've got to get someone that's well attested. You've got to get someone with a good reputation. Later on, when Paul, the Apostle Paul, came along later in the book of Acts, and then he began, because he wrote much of what we read in the New Testament, right, his letters, he then began to give some advice. And one of the advices he, advises, advisements he had for elders, for what they call bishops, what they call deacons, is a good reputation. And the, the good reputation, first of all, starts off in the church. Do you have a good reputation in the church? And Paul says, though, so in First Timothy uh, 3, 7, he says, moreover, this, a leader must have a good testimony among those who are outside lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So you've got to have a good reputation inside the church, but you've also got to have a good reputation outside the church. Sometimes, not always, we're all challenged to have a good reputation both inside, but we're all, aren't we challenged to have one outside? Like, is it a little bit easier to be laxed a little bit when you're outside away from all of us? like with your language and with your attitude and with your actions and your words away from the church, thinking nobody's listening, maybe? You hope not, Mike said. You hope they're not. And it's amazing. I mean, all of us, I'm sure we could recall times when we can recount we got caught in it. You know, um, when we were on vacation, I was just thinking that if we were to ask this gentleman who I was following as he drove his Dodge pickup away from the river after the family had floated down the river and we were coming back to go out for supper, if you were to ask the man driving the pickup that I was following, what kind of a reputation do I have outside the church? Let me describe, not in his words, but you can picture it, how he might describe me, because he described it to me personally. Here's what happened. Following him we're coming to a place where there's a red light. There's also railroad tracks. The railroad tracks are so close to the road and the red lights. Well, the red light went green just as he was dropping over the railroad tracks, it was pretty bumpy. Pretty, you know, you got to go over the tracks. And think it might have been a three-quarter-ton t- truck, so it's a little bit stiff. So he slows way down. Well, I was following him reasonably, although Pauline might say, why don't you back off a little bit? Well, when it got closer to the, red li- to the, tr- to the railroad tracks and, and the lights were green, I'm like, I don't want to sit here and wait when the red light goes because it's a main highway. It's going to take forever you know, impatient on my vacation. So I get up behind and I'm and I'm then I'm going and then he's going and I'm fairly close to him and he jams on the brakes. And I'm looking, first of all, I'm as I'm going and looking, I'm looking green light, this truck, is there a train coming? And all of a sudden, boom, and I must have just I must have been right on his bumper. Not quite. So he was a very large man with a very large beard, and his head popped out of, the, of his window. And he began to uh, point at me with a finger and tell me what his finger meant, and why didn't I back off? And he just sat there, and all I'm thinking is, the light is green, go, go. <laughs> And then, I'm think, then I started thinking, he's kind of large. I'm a big guy, but I don't know if I want to get into a tangle with a big guy with a beard because <laughs> with an old three-quarter ton truck, I, he might have something else in his vehicle. Anyway, if you asked him, what kind of reputation does your pastor have outside the church? Well, he might describe it in those words with his finger. And you might not want to put me in the pulpit. So we all have those days, right? We all have those times. We all have those moments. And so when you want when to try somebody in their honesty, you want to test them. You want to test their character both inside the church and discover what they're like outside the church. You have to have more than just one person giving you a view of who you are. Right? You know, when you interview somebody for a job. Now, how many of you, first of all, this will test your um, IQ. When you write your resume out and you put on the bottom, sometimes you say, references available upon request. Some of you feel quite bold and say, here's my references, and you'll list a name and you'll list this person. Now, has anybody put on there, the guy with a big beard on a three-quarter ton pickup truck, why didn't you call him and get my reference? Do, does, would any of us do that? No. So when you, call, when you do interview somebody, you ask the person that the person put down on their re- resume, you say, you say, like if it was Michael, and, uh, and I'm calling Michael because... Because I'm interviewing Ron, and I want to find out about Ron. And Ron's giving me Michael's name. He knows me, and I know, he, well, he's willing to give a good reference for me. And so I call Michael. I said, thank you, Michael. I thank you for your information on Ron. Um, now, uh, who else might I talk to to get a little information on Ron to understand him a little better? Now, Ron's out of control then. He doesn't know who, who Michael's going to give. And Michael might say, oh, well, there's there's Fred and there's Joe and and so forth. And, well, do you have a phone number? Yeah. And then I call them. (laughs) And Ron's good. He knows. He knows he has a great reputation both inside and outside the church. So he has every confidence. Right? He doesn't have to put an asterisk on there. Please do not ask Michael for any references. (laughs) But when it, honestly just uh, jo- all joking aside it is so important they took it seriously that a person's reputation a good reputation is absolutely vital you must have it we must have it now just to give us some encouragement none of us could really stand and 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 put, even put on our own resume, tell our own story and say, I am the perfect candidate. If we were truly honest, we'd say, man, there's a lot of work needs to be done in me. So even when we go to select people and put people in position, there is a growth that needs to happen. And we need to understand that too. I suggest we look at the person's attitude towards the Christian life. And their attitude and their, their humility, when their willingness to say, I blew it again, and I don't want to blow it again. I need help. You know. And so it's, it, there's, there's, there's got to be some wisdom in the selection. This Wednesday, and I'm going to use this now time to get us to go to the communion table to come and take this bread and take this cup that God says that we need to examine ourselves before we come to take it and see if there's anything in us that's not right. And so if you've been thinking about what your reputation might look like, both inside the church and outside the church, and there's been some sort of red flags coming up, I want you to consider what we looked at on Wednesday night as we studied together and prayed together, had a wonderful time together, and interestingly enough, Ron brought one of the scriptures up as he, as he led us in the invitation. I thought, wow, the Holy Spirit is so good. But we started looking at the idea on Wednesday night about holiness and about the, the need to be holy because God is holy, and the fact that and so I kind of started thinking and stirring in my mind in terms of attributes of service. Holiness, of course, is ultimately vital. And holiness is only provided by God. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 2-11, verses two, it says that the one who makes us holy or the one who sanctifies us and those who are made holy or those who are sanctified all have one source. I love that. I was, I was recommending a book in our discipleship team, which we had a wonderful meeting, another meeting, for our ministry of discipleship groups and what material we're going to bring. And I mentioned a commentary by Andrew Murray, a South African evangelist, Scottish-born, British, um, but he wrote a book called The Holy of Holies, the commentaries on Hebrews. And he said, if I if as I thought about it, I could have called it one sauce. I could have called it, I could have called it that. So we all have one sauce. So matter, so if 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 your reputation is marred, consider the one sauce, which is Jesus. He later goes on to say. That as we look to Him and we examine our heart and we compare ourselves with the holy God, not one another, but God Himself, we all fall short, but in Christ we don't. In Hebrews 2:18, it says, "For because He himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." Isn't that wonderful? Hebrews 3.1 says, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. And when we, when we uh, looked at that word, that word consider, we talked about this yesterday at your house, I think. Maybe we popped it out there. But it means contempl- like, like when you contemplate the stars, And it's kind of interesting for me because I just got back from Montana, but both here in North Dakota, when we live in the area that we live in, especially up as north as we are, and you go out on a clear night, and have you ever laid on a blanket and looked up at the stars and contemplated the stars? And he says, he says, consider Jesus. Contemplate him like you contemplate the universe. Because he made it. He's the one source and he's the one to be contemplated and know that God was, he was tempted just like us, but he was without sin, but he died for our sin and forgave us, praise God. And then in verse six of chapter three, it says, and we are his house. You know, he comes to dwell in our house. is like us, personally. And he says, if indeed we hold fast our confidence, one translation says, all of those say, boldness. When we understand what Christ has done, and how bold we can be, and how confident we be, and we can, we can, he, we can make uh, our confidence in him, our boasting, because he, he is our hope that once saw us as I consider Jesus. So he knows our weaknesses. So I want to finish this as we go to the um, table. And uh, like I said, it was, man, I was just like, Lord, you are so good when I heard Ron speaking. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4. Let me read this to you. And then be thinking about that bread and the cup. So then, he says, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, So let's hold fast our confession. For we do not have a priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then... I just texted this to a good friend yesterday. I texted this to a pastor this morning that texted me. Let us then with confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Andrew Murray, the South African evangelist, translated that, well-timed help. Well-timed help. Our God has well-timed help. So when you're considering your reputation, Is it good or not good? Inside the church, outside the church. And you need His help to make that stronger, better, more Christ-like then God is always so well-timed, perfectly timed. He gives you a throne of grace that we can confidently come to and that we will, what will we do? We will receive mercy and then we'll find grace. Grace is forgiveness. That's what we come to this table to receive. September 5th, this is, this is a devotional that I do on Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. September 5th, there was um, he was talking about this idea of this perfection. And he was talking about the Apostle Paul. And he said, at the end of this devotion, let us examine ourselves and ask ourselves, do we have any right to forgiveness? The prodigal son, he said, felt that way. Did he have, wondered if he had right. But listen to what he says about Paul. Paul, after years of preaching, looking back across the past, he said he was the chief of sinners. He was still amazed that God would ever have forgiven him. He was still amazed at the wondrous cross and the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're going to, go to, a ta- we're going to come to the table now. I hope you're hearing this, that yes, there are attributes. And the first one is a good reputation, both inside and outside the church. But it's God's grace that that will give you that kind of reputation that you can be proud of, boast about. Because who are you boasting in? Not you. You're boasting in what he's done. You're confident of what the grace of God has done and can do and will do. He loves you so much. And he says take this bread given for you And take this cup, and the cup of blood represents his blood that has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. And we walk out of here and go continue to build a good reputation. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for what you've done, for what you are doing, and what you will do. We all of us here have one source. We all of us are called to consider you, Jesus, like considering the stars, like Contemplating the stars. And Lord, we want to hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope because our hope is in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I ask Kelvin and Mike to come forward.